Let us begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Brutus Sealed. I'm your host, DJ Monte Ale. And the title of this episode is going to be Multiverse of Hops. In this episode, I'll be recapping my experiences at the Central Valley Brew Fest in Turlock, California, which is by far an amazing experience. And I'll also be recapping the first episode of Marvel's What If from Disney Plus, and it was by far worth the wait. I hope all of you have been enjoying your summer so far as you wind down to dog days of summer with Labor Day soon to come. And also, it's been quite an amazing summer so far. We just had Black Widow release in theaters, which is by far an amazing movie, so do check it out before it leaves theaters. And we also had to release of Loki from Disney Plus, which is also an amazing series as well, so do check it out on Disney Plus. And now we just had Marvel What If released on Disney Plus, and episode one is by far amazing, so do look forward to my recap of that later here in the episode. And also, football season is coming back soon, so we're going to see some amazing stuff coming out with the NFL this coming season. And do look forward to more football coverage here in the Brutus Hill podcast as we get closer to the NFL season, and also for more NFL coverage during the NFL season, and with more drink pairings to follow. But first, I'll be recapping my experiences at the Central Valley Brew Fest on Trilla, California, as is my first beer festival this year, and also the first beer festival which will be profiled here in the Brutus Still Podcast. So the Central Valley Brew Fest will be the inaugural beer festival I talk about here in the Brutus Still Podcast, and it was by far an amazing beer festival. So I go down to Central Valley down in Turlock for the Central Valley Brew Fest. My first time at this beer festival, I found out about it a few months ago, and once I looked at it and researched, it got no more familiar about the festival, I bought a VIP ticket. So I went there on a VIP ticket, which is by far the best way to go for a beer festival. I also went there for the weekend, so definitely this beer festival is definitely a good weekend getaway down to Central Valley of California. If you're looking to get out of town and you're nearby to Turlock, also even out of state, if you can do it, I definitely recommend going to Central Valley Brewfest next year as a perfect weekend getaway. It was definitely the highlight of the summer as it allowed me to become more familiar with the beer scene down in the Central Valley of California and where there are so many excellent breweries and beers to be discovered. And many of them were at the Central Valley Brewfest. And when I went to the Central Valley Brewfest, my primary objective was to focus on sampling beers from breweries down in Central Valley in order to become more familiar with beers outside of Sacramento, and I sampled a plethora of amazing beers. Along with breweries from the Central Valley, there were breweries from Sacramento and also from the Bay Area, and I sampled beers from Morgan Territory, Full Circle Brewing, Tactical Ops, Last Call Brewing Company, 1870 Brewing Company, Blake Brewing, Dust Bowl Brewing, Five Window Brewing, from an establishment called Traveling Taps, and also from High Water Brewing. And I also sampled my first ever seltzer from the California Seltzer Company. And this beer festival was held at a fairgrounds, which is definitely a good location to have a beer festival. Several other beer festivals have gone to have been in the street setting or more in the park setting, but having a beer festival at a fairgrounds is definitely what I saw as an ideal location for a beer festival. There was a good selection of outdoor settings and also indoor settings where you could find beers from either from an indoor vendor or from an outdoor vendor. And there was also on-site live music on a stage with various bands performing various kinds of music, which really added to the ambience of this whole festival as there was definitely a good summer vibe at this festival with a lot of positive energy and also a good amount of people there as well. And also met some pretty nice people there too from some of the breweries. As I visited briefly some of the vendors there pouring beer and got to talk to them a little bit about their beer and also their establishments. So it's definitely also another major highlight of this event that I really enjoyed, providing some excellent memories at a beer festival. And there's also a good amount of food vendors there as well. And one thing I did at this festival is I got a sausage from one of the food vendors and I paired it with the milkshake IPA from Full Circle Brewing Company, which was definitely an excellent food and beer pairing. And I definitely want to have more food and beer pairings on future editions of the Brutus Silk Podcast. So do stay tuned for that future editions here in 
brew distilled, and that will be food and beer pairings. As this sausage and his milkshake IPA was definitely an excellent food and beer pairing, I get the idea from Loki. I remember in Loki, there was an episode where Loki and Sylvie, they're in that train cart, and Loki goes to the bar, and he tries to get Sylvie to try a wine and food pairing. And I got that idea from that episode of Loki, in where I had a food and beer pairing here at the Central Valley Brew Fest. So I considered that my Loki food and beer pairing, which was inspired by Loki. And again, that is the Milkshake IPA from Full Circle Brewing Company. It is by far an amazing Milkshake IPA. I don't have Milkshake IPAs very often, but this one was really good. And I definitely got to try more Milkshake IPAs and have them here in future editions of the Brew Still Podcast. And do check out the Full Circle Brewing Milkshake IPA, as it's a Milkshake IPA worth checking out and also makes for a very good beer to have in the summer also for a barbecue. And along with the Milkshake IPA from Full Circle Brewing Company, I had some Pilsners, some other IPAs, a Kalash, some lagers, and also had a black lager, and also had a red ale. And I really love red ales. The red ale I tried came from Five Window Brewing Company, and it was called the Rusty Red Ale, and it was definitely good red ale. Now, I love red ales. I drink red ales all year round, and this red ale for Five Window Brewing was definitely worth a try, as it was an excellent red ale. And while I was down there, I did get a beer from Last Call Brewing Company. It's a sour beer called street cart sour and do stay tuned for more about that beer later as that beer will be my first beer pairing for marvel's what if and also got some stickers and also t-shirt from the festival as well as there was a t-shirt for the central valley brew fest now i got that just when i got through the gate after the gates opened as i wanted to get a t-shirt already sold out so it's a pretty nice t-shirt a nice souvenir to memorize this festival along with the stickers from the various breweries and the tasting glass was also really good i love the tasting glass it's shaped like a beer mug which really added to the authenticity of the festival while also making for a very nice souvenir. And I was there for a good little over three hours. It was definitely an amazing experience. All the beers I tried, trying out beers from Central Valley breweries I never had before. Also getting to know more about those breweries all around the Central Valley as it's a very vast region with definitely a lot of amazing beers and breweries waiting to be discovered. And it definitely happened here here at the Central Valley Brew Fest, which is why I also named this episode Multiverse of Hops because when I go to beer festival, it's like a multiverse of different breweries. Each brewery is like a different world of beer waiting to be discovered. And the Central Valley Brewfest was a gateway to this rural that the Central Valley breweries and beer scene, which was by far an amazing discovery that I intend to explore more here in future editions here in the Brewers Still podcast. As while I was down there, I went to a BevMo down there and I picked up two beers from different breweries down in Central Valley. And I will be pairing those here in the upcoming weeks when I start recapping Marvel's What If from Disney Plus. As I want to bring in more beers from Central Valley, so do stay tuned for more beers from breweries in the Central Valley here on the Brewers Still podcast. As the Central Valley Brewfest, is by far the gateway to this amazing discovery of new beers, all from the Central Valley. So do look forward to me having these beers paired on future editions here in Brew Distilled Podcast when I start recapping Marvel's What If, along with other future shows that will be recapped here in the Brew Distilled Podcast. But overall, it was an amazing beer festival. I'll definitely do it again next year. I highly recommend you check out the Central Valley Brew Fest next year. I don't know what dates can be held yet, but I will keep you all updated on when it's announced and when the next Central Valley Brew Fest will be held in 2022. I definitely look forward to attending beer festival again is a perfect weekend getaway and it's also an amazing beer festival to discover new beers from the central valley of california and it's also overall an excellent experience so do check out the central valley brew fest in 2022 i would definitely look forward to attending it next year i'll keep you all updated here in the brewstill podcast and when that'll be held again but overall i would definitely attend this festival again and that there's my recap of the central valley brew fest by far an amazing experience that served as the gateway of new discovery and the central valley beer scene now later in the episode i will be talking about a beer i got that 
podcast from Last Call Brewing in Oakdale, California. And it'll be my first beer pairing for Marvel's What If from Disney+. Plus. So if you want to hear more about this beer, do stay tuned for the end of the episode as it will come after my segment after recap Marvel's What If, which I'll start doing now. So now I'm going to start recapping the first episode of Marvel's What If from Disney+. Plus. So if you have not seen Marvel's What If from Disney+, Plus, or if you have an interest in watching Marvel What If from Disney+, Plus, do not proceed forward because there will be spoilers. Ready? Well, here we go. So just recently, the first episode of Marvel's What If came out on Disney+, and it was by far well worth the wait, and it was by far an amazing first episode. So Marvel's What If is now in its first season of Disney+, Plus. it's going to consist of nine episodes, which each episode is going to recap what might have happened if a certain event in the Marvel Cinematic Universe turned out differently, as each episode is going to be its own standalone story in this anthology-based format by recapping different what-if scenarios in a Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, each episode is based on a movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the first episode is based on the first Captain America movie titled Captain America the First Avenger. And episode one of Marvel's What If from Disney Plus explores an alternate scenario from this movie as instead of Steve Rogers becoming the first Avenger, it's Peggy Carter. Now, in the episode, we start off right in that scene where Steve Rogers is going to be taking Super Surgical Serum in that machine operated by Howard Stark. But in the scene, something else happens in where Peggy Carter stays down on the floor to watch him go into the machine. And that was the moment that changed everything that led to her becoming the first Avenger. Now in the scene, I'm looking at the scene right now, she notices something is off, that there's something odd going on. She notices an object on the floor and nearby there's a Hydra agent who detonates a bomb, which ends up assassinating most of the essential figures who are observing the experiment. And also in the process, Steve Rogers gets injured by a gunshot wound, which prevents him from going into the machine. Now in this moment, Colonel John Flynn, he's trying to get Howard Stark to go into the machine. Howard Stark declines. He then tries to get Steve Rogers to go in there, but he obviously can't go in there. So in this moment, a spur-of-the-moment decision, Peggy Carter goes into the machine. Howard Stark operates the machine, and that's the moment where Peggy Carter ends up becoming the next great hope for the Allies in World War II, as she ends up becoming the first super soldier. Now in this time, the Nazis are taking over Europe, so the Allies are looking for a last hope in order to stop the Nazi advance, and ends up being Peggy Carter after she goes into the machine, becoming the first super soldier. And Steve Rogers remains the same he always was in this episode as he does not become Captain America. Now, Colonel John Flynn is not happy with the idea that Peggy Carter went to the machine as he was opposed to her becoming a super soldier. And one other major difference in this episode is that Colonel Flynn assumes the role of Chester Phillips from the first Captain America movie as Phillips was killed in the explosion, leaving Colonel Flynn to become like an antagonist in this episode as he strongly opposed to Peggy Carter having any contribution to the war effort. But Peggy Carter is very strong-willed. She proudly accepts the title of becoming the first super soldier, and she's also supported by Howard Stark in the same process, and also by C. Rogers. Now, while this is going on, Red Skull is leading Hydra to get the Tesseract in order for him to help the Nazis win the war, but also shows that Hydra is also becoming a leading power in Europe now, as the villain Red Skull obviously has his own agenda, just like he did in the first Captain America movie. So that definitely also plays out in this episode. We see him in Norway getting the, the Tesseract to help him advance his evil agenda, and the Allies are also well aware of this at the same time, as Howard Stark is also leading a briefing to Colonel Phillips and also Captain Carter, but Colonel Phillips also does not want to lead an operation to get the Tesseract, as he believes that Hydra would not be able to use the Tesseract by the time the war is over. Now, this leads to an event at a bar where Howard Stark gives Peggy Carter her Captain Britain costume, and also the shield with the British logo on it, as opposed to the American logo, just like it was in the first Captain America movie. We then see Peggy Carter go on a mission where she stops the Nazis from delivering the Tesseract. It's a pretty good action scene over at a castle occupied by the Nazis. And in this scene, she gets a Tesseract from the Nazis while also taking 
taking Nazi scientist Armin Zola into custody. Now, when Carter presents a Tesseract to Flynn, he's obviously not phased by it. He doesn't seem to care that they were cheating something very important. So he really has no use for it, or he doesn't want to put an effort in order to use it for the Allies. This does give Howard Stark an advantage where he uses the Tesseract and where he makes the first Iron Man suit, which will later be occupied by Steve Rogers. So Howard Stark is able to use the Tesseract, develop the first Iron Man suit, a 1940s version, but it's also very similar to the first Iron Man suit we saw in the first Iron Man movie. So that's another major difference in this episode, that in this episode, one of the consequences is that not only does Peggy Carter become the first Avenger, but you also see Iron Man come out in the 1940s as opposed to 2008, just like we saw in the MCU. So this alternate version, this alternate timeline, we also see a different version of Iron Man, but the first Iron Man is Steve Rogers as opposed to Tony Stark. We then learn about Bucky. Now Bucky is in this episode, and just like in the movie, Bucky and the men he was with, they were taken prisoner by the Nazis. Peggy Carter and the Allies are well aware of this, and are talking about staging a rescue mission to get them out, because she has a moment with Steve Rogers, which happened earlier in the episode where Rogers informs Carter that his friend Bucky is going to be sent to a deployment in Europe. But Bucky and his men are now held captive by the Germans in Europe, and that's where Captain Carter goes on a mission in order to get them out. And it was just like that in the original Captain America movie, where Steve Rogers, when he was Captain America, did stage a rescue mission where he got Bucky and his friends out at that Nazi prison. But in this episode, the difference is, is that's Peggy Carter doing it, as she's not his new super soldier, operating under the name of Captain Carter. Now, just like the first Captain America movie, Bucky and his friends were released, but this time by Captain Carter, is a pretty good combat scene. We see German tanks in combat here. After Captain Carter gets the Howling Commandos out of that Nazi prison, she's fighting alongside Bucky and Howling Commandos against these Nazi tanks, which do appear to be Tiger tanks, and she calls in for air support, and to their surprise, that's when we get the first introduction to see Rogers operating as his 1940s Iron Man. This does come in a major surprise, but also pleasant surprise to Captain Carter, but also major surprise to Bucky and the Howling Commandos. And we do see C. Rogers in action in his Iron Man uniform. He takes on the Nazi tanks. Captain Carter also gets involved as well. And the two of them really work well together in this major combat scene. We then see a montage of Captain Carter fighting Nazis while also being assisted by C. Rogers in his Iron Man uniform as he take on Nazi warplanes. And we also see a scene where Flynn is taking credit for all the work, even though he had nothing to do with it. He's starting to throw Captain Carter under the bus by saying it was his idea all along, while also saying that he told Howard Stark to build the Iron Man suit. So we see more of the antagonistic side, but also the egocentric side of Flynn here, as he's taking credit for things he had nothing to do with. We also get a scene where Red Skull fully takes over as he overtakes Nazi leadership when they come over to him after he loses a Tesseract, and Red Skull does stay defiant by calling himself a god, and where he overtakes the Nazis that come over to get him, while also saying the Hydra is now the major threat to the Western Allies. And it's also the first scene in this episode where he unmasks himself, showing himself as Red Skull, as this is the first moment in this episode, in where we see Red Skull unmask himself, revealing who he really is, while also revealing himself as the main villain in this episode, but also just like how he did it in the first Captain America movie. We then get a scene where Peggy Carter and Steve Rogers are at a bar, talking over drinks, and that's where we see a scene in where Rogers asks Peggy Carter how does it feel having a serum, and even though she says it's not the change that he would think, she also says that she feels more respected, also feels that she could be heard, and is also able to play a bigger role with the Allies, and this also does show to have an effect on Rogers, as Rogers starts to feel down on himself, saying that he's just the same person as he was in Brooklyn, and Carter does try to encourage him by saying that, that Steve is her hero, and that the role that he plays wearing the armored suit developed by Howard Stark does indeed play a big role, as it allows him to contribute to the war effort, but the scene does show that Rogers is down on himself, as he's not the one being the super soldier, so it definitely does show a 
struggle with Rogers, but it also shows that Carter does still have feelings for C. Rogers at the same time, as she still likes him for who he really is, Serum or Nor Serum. But then go to that scene where they're attacking the train, just like it was in the movie, do you think that Hydra leadership is on that train, they're going to stage an attack on it, and Captain Carter is leading the mission along with Bucky and the Howling Commandos, also with C. Rogers in the Iron Man suit. Now the raid on the train goes wrong, as it's implied that Rogers is killed by an avalanche after an explosion, as indeed does nothing but a big trap. Now Carter believes that Rogers is dead, and after getting information from a captured Armin Zola, Captain Carter and Howling Commandos, along with Howard Stark, they plan a raid to go to a castle that is also the hideout for Red Skull and Hydra leadership. She wants to use this as an opportunity not only to stop Hydra, but also avenge the death of Steve Rogers. And also before that, she finally puts Flynn in his place, in where Flynn, he's skeptical about the whole idea about launching his raid, but Carter also tells Flynn that he's lucky to be even be in the room. The mission to go at this castle is then planned, which also includes bringing in Howard Stark to serve as an asset in this mission. Now one thing we do know in this episode is that Red Skull is going to be using the Tesseract after he gained it back after that botched mission, where he's going to lease a giant monster that's going to either help Hydra win the war or end up destroying the entire world as an alternative. Now it's revealed in the castle that C. Rogers was not killed in that raid and said he was captured. We see the armored suit inside the castle being hooked up to a generator, while we'll also see C. Rogers tied up nearby. He's discovered by Bucky and Howling Commandos. They find a way to set him free, while Captain Carter and Howard Stark make their way through the castle. And where they find Red Skull's location, now this is right when Red Skull is summoning the monster out of this portal. Red Skull tells Captain Carter and Howard Stark they're too late, but the monster is not the monster Red Skull thinks it is, as the monster seems to go in its own direction, ends up killing Red Skull in the process. Now in reality, in the first Captain America movie, Red Skull is not killed by this monster, as this monster wasn't even in the movie, so in this alternate timeline in this episode, Red Skull is killed by the monster, and that's where it shows that Captain Carter has a much bigger problem on her hands, as this monster is definitely doesn't really have a side here. This monster is not really there to help Hydra, as it appears this monster is end up destroying Europe, probably the entire world, and Captain Carter realizes this monster has to be stopped, as Red Skull is already dead, leaving one problem out of the way. Now, Captain Carter is able to defeat the monster, or sort of. She gets a sword in the process she finds on the wall, so I liked his idea of her having a sword and a shield, and with assistance from Steve Rogers when he comes back with the Iron Man suit, she's able to push back the monster into the portal where it came from, and she's still engaged in combat with this monster, and she says to Steve Rogers that he owes her a dance as she pushes the monster back into the portal, and that's the last we see of Captain Carter in this time period, as all that's left behind is a Tesseract. We see a visibly heartbroken Steve Rogers as he knows that Carter is gone, and we then see Captain Carter again where she emerges from the portal. We see remains of the monster coming out of the portal with her. Now, I believe she was engaged in combat with the monster a few seconds before she came out of the portal, but she survived the battle. She was victorious in the battle. She comes out of the portal with the sword and shield, and where she's greeted by Nick Fury and Hawkeye. Now, based on the setting and the characters present, this is during the events of the first Avengers movie. It were instead of Loki coming out of the portal, it's instead Captain Carter. That's where she's greeted by Nick Fury and Hawkeye. Now, Hawkeye knows who she is, and Nick Fury assures her that everything's okay while also telling her that the war is over because she asks, where is Steve? And she's told by Nick Fury that the war ended 70 years ago, but that she's going to be okay. Even though Captain Carter is also visibly saddened by knowing that C. Rogers is not present, even though she knows that the war is over and that the Allies won. And that's where the episode ends, was also a closing remark by the Watcher that her decision gave birth to a new hero in the multiverse. And that is how episode one of Marvel's What If concludes. Now, I like this episode. I really like how it played out. I like the characters involved, how the story unfolded, as it included critical characters in the first Captain America movie, while also taking pivotal scenes from that movie.
movie and putting them into this episode in the perfect order and also wasn't too long or too short because I was wondering how they were going to do this show with a half hour episode but it was also well done it didn't overwhelm the entire episode as the right scenes were chosen and they're also in the right order while also telling an excellent story and also introducing a new hero for the multiverse with Captain Carter and it's also rumored we're going to see a live action version of Captain Carter possibly in the next Doctor Strange movie but this episode is well done well crafted and also well told in terms of story and the animation was also well done I really loved the animation in this episode and I really liked how they explored the dynamic between Peggy Carter and Steve Rogers as they were able to maintain their chemistry and relationship even though Captain Carter became the first super soldier and she was also still connected with Steve Rogers still liking him for who he is while he was also this alternate version of Iron Man now the consequences of this particular episode are Reskull does not go to Vormir as where we saw him in the events of Avengers Endgame where he's guarding the Soul Stone Steve Rogers has not become Captain America instead becomes a version of Iron Man which also makes me wonder that in this timeline what happens to Iron Man does Tony Stark still become Iron Man years later down the road even though the armored suit is already in existence also what becomes of Steve Rogers after Peggy Carter goes into the vortex of the Tesseract and also what becomes of the Avengers like what does the Avengers lineup look like because there was a car commercial from Hyundai showing what appears to be an alternate version of the Avengers and also features the watcher observing the action take place as there's a major battle scene between his alternate version of the Avengers and his alternate crew of the Avengers consists of Captain Carter, Doctor Strange, Star-Lord, and Thor. Now even though this is a car commercial I do believe we're going to see this lineup eventually in a future episode of What If? Maybe not season one but maybe season two because I do believe this timeline we saw on season one in episode one is going to take place in future episodes of Marvel's What If? And also I do believe that we're also going to get that episode where Doctor Strange does meet Captain Carter as there was a shot of that in the trailer. So that's another thing to watch out for as well as the series does play out. Now next week's episode is going to involve an alternate version of Guardians of the Galaxy where we're going to see T'Challa become Star-Lord instead of Peter Quill which will no doubt be an amazing episode because it's really going to tell a very intriguing story based on what I saw so far and I'll be also be recapping that next week as well here in the Bruce Still Podcast as each week I am going to be doing recaps of every episode of Marvel's What If for the next nine weeks. So the series is definitely off to a great start. The first episode of Peggy Carter becoming the first Avenger was a great way to start this series and I cannot wait to see the next eight episodes. Also episode three is going to involve Loki which will also likely tell a very intriguing story based on the footage I saw so far and also there will be Marvel Zombies later in the season. That will be an adaptation for the Marvel comic series of Marvel Zombies. That's also going to be a pretty good episode. I can't wait to see that one. It's going to involve Bucky squaring off with a with a zombie version of Captain America which I do believe is going to be a very dramatic and also a very emotional episode as these episodes are going to show some combinations of emotions. Some of them will involve more humor, some will be darker, and some will also be more dramatic. Like this first episode with Peggy Carter becoming the first Avenger had a good combination of humor and drama. I do believe next week might involve more humor based on what I saw so far, but I do believe we're also going to get some pretty emotional dramatic moments in some of the episodes here of Marvel's What If as season one plays out. But season one is off to a great start. Episode one is by far amazing, a great story with Peggy Carter, and also the introduction of a new hero to the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. And that there will be my recap of episode one of Marvel's What If from Disney+. Plus. Now as for my beer pairing for this week's episode of Marvel's What If from Disney+, Plus, my beer pairing for this week's episode is going to be from a beer I got while I was down to Central Valley Brewfest down Turlock, California, and this beer is from Last Call Brewing Company. And the name of the beer is called the Street Cart Sour. This is a sour ale inspired by the various fruit cups found by vendors throughout the Central Valley of California, as this sour ale does contain a plethora of very fruity flavors, such as pineapple, mango, watermelon, some jicama, and even cucumber. And there's also chaji 
Tajin, Chamoy, and Marshmallow also in this beer as well, as this beer also contains lactose and has a 7.5% ABV. And the can art is also fantastic. It has an excellent image and also a very good blend of colors, as it also displays a strong tribute to food vendors and the fruit cups they serve. The beer definitely has a great flavor to it. It's definitely a good summer beer, but also a beer I'll definitely have all year round. It definitely has a good sweetness to it that I definitely don't want to wait for a season to have. So it's definitely a beer that all those good for the summer, I would definitely drink this beer all year round. It's just that good. I definitely love to blend the flavors in this beer as definitely a must try sour beer. So if you do find this beer, do check it out. I have a picture of it on a Brew Distilled Instagram page after this episode. Do check that out. But it's by far a highly recommended beer. And that beer is a Street Cart Sour from Last Call Brewing Company in Oakdale, California. Now a little bit more about Last Call Brewing Company from Oakdale, California. They're located in historic downtown Oakdale. I have yet to visit this brewery in person, but I definitely want to add this brewery to my list of visit in person and talk more about it here in the Brutusville podcast. They opened their downtown location, Oakdale, in March of 2019 after operating the tap room at the brewing site. And they also have a very excellent selection of beers. On their website, I see a Cali Blonde, which is a blonde ale. I see a Hefeweizen, a Kalash, a New Zealand Imperial Pilsner, which definitely sounds very interesting, and a Blackberry Mojito Sour, an Imperial Cocktail Sour, and there's also a selection of IPAs as well. So this brewery definitely does have a good selection of beers, and they're also available in different sizes in terms of 16-ounce growlers and even crawlers. So this is definitely a brewery worth checking out. I definitely want to get down here in person sometime and also talk about it here in the podcast when that day comes. And I also want to find more of the beers and recap them more here in the Brewstill Podcast, which feature episodes of the shows I discuss on this podcast, along with my NFL topics, as this brewery, Last Call Brewing, is definitely a brewery worth checking out. So that there's my recap of the Streetcart Sour from Oakdale Brewing. That's my first beer pairing with Marvel's What If, and where Captain Carter became the first Avenger. I do believe this beer is definitely a good beer for the MCU, a good Marvel beer, and an excellent beer to start off the first season of Marvel's What If from Disney+. Plus. And that shall do it for me on this edition of Brew Distilled. I'm your host, DG Monte Ale. Please tell your friends and family about this podcast. Also rate this podcast five stars. And also check out this podcast in your preferred podcast directory. And also check out the Brew Distilled Instagram page and you'll find photos of all the beers and drinks profiled on this podcast. I'll see you all next week. I'll be recapping episode two of Marvel's What If, along with the drink pairing. It could be a beer pairing, a drink pairing, but do look forward to more beer from California's Central Valley. I'm your host, DG Monte Ale. I'll see you all next week. And until then, be brewed and be distilled, folks. Cheers. Cheers.